0: This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Rinala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, Tom and I must have been, um, Tom's been obviously listening to my audio Bible um, because we are both preaching out of very similar passages. Hallelujah. Um, He's been, he's, uh, Tom and I, we we have our family devotions. We read tonight at night time together, but um, very often. But, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit has us all in a season of really getting into the Word of God of taking opportunities. I really appreciate seeing even on the social media, um, people encouraging each other to be reading the Bible. You know, in these, in these times, of such supernatural acceleration and revival, we need to be anchored in the word of God, hallelujah. And we need to know what it says because there's clever teachers can come and they can tell you all sorts of things. But the Holy Spirit will remind you of the teachings of Jesus. He'll remind you of what the whole, what the Word says. So it's important that we read it. I I encourage you to read whole books of the Bible. Work work your way through. Don't just pick bits and pieces here and there. I, I do that to snack on it, which is delicious. But it's also good to have a you know to. Um, just read, the, read it. Just read it. Have Colossians for breakfast, and or, or, uh, or, or decide that you want to have a, a, a work through a reading plan, or or pick an epistle and work your way through. I'm doing a chronological read through of the Bible at the moment on audio Bible, which is which is fun. Just uh, seeing the timeline of God uh, through the Bible. But however you do it, just read it. Turn to your neighbor and say, just read it. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're a busy person, the audio Bible is a great way to do it. And uh, it's just, you, you, you'll get addicted. I look forward to my time in the word. Hallelujah. So we've been, I've been encouraging everybody Uh, To spend time in the Word of God in this new year, to be be deliberate, to say, Lord, you know my heart's desire is to seek you, but to be deliberate in our discipline uh, when it comes to spending time with God. Some people get, uh, they they get an idea in their head, oh, I want to do, I'm going to do the hour of power. I remember when I was um, a teenager, I heard about the hour of power and I tried so hard to do an hour and I didn't know what to do in that hour. And after about 15 minutes, I'd be like, I don't know what to do next or what to say next. And, um, you know, now I, I have days that I set aside, you know, each week to, to um, seek the face of God. And I enjoy whatever time I can get. And I make time deliberately in my schedule to spend time with God every day. But I want to encourage you, rather than sort of doing spurts and, and, and starts, why don't you just discipline yourself daily, work in a way that's going to actually work for you, to, to read the Word of God, to spend just a, some time during the day talking to God. To, to be, You can pray the Lord's Prayer and begin to pray through it. Begin to just tell Him what's on your heart, tell Him what's going on in your mind and your thoughts. He knows and understands it, but He loves to hear your voice. He so enjoys it when you talk to Him because He has the answers that you need. The Bible says that he comforts us in all our troubles. Hallelujah. That's not just the big stuff, but the little stuff as well. You wake up and you're feeling even tired or you're feeling anxious about anything. He is actually jealous to help you. He stands by. The Holy Spirit jealously wants to help you. He wants to hold your hand. He wants to hear what's going on in your life and he waits for you to ask him. He waits for you to look to him and ask him for help and he knows the answers. He's got everything you need, hallelujah. And he's wanting to teach us, I believe, to walk in a greater revelation of fellowship with him than we've ever understood, hallelujah. To really embrace the help of the comforter. It's not a weak thing. What it is, is actually recognizing that in our weakness, he is strong. It's a supernatural strength that comes. There's a a divine grace given to those who will humble themselves. He gives grace to the humble because the humble ask for help. So he gives grace to the humble. And if you, all, you walk in humility saying, God, help me with this. Talk to me about that. Even taking five minutes a day at the beginning of your day to just to talk to him. Talk out loud to him and just tell him what you th- what's going on. Th- make requests known to God like it says in Philippians chapter 4. and And, and just speak to him and ask him for help and take some time to listen, pray in the spirit, pray in tongues and, and expect him to help you and encourage you and take maybe five minutes just to put a worship song on and worship God. I tell you, when you begin like that, if you you'd just take 15 minutes, 10 minutes to read the word and five minutes to pray and five minutes to worship, if you did that consistently every day, you'll get such a taste for it that you'll want more. Hallelujah. But better that you do that than five hours, one day, and nothing for five weeks. Because God wants to give you daily bread. He's got something for you every day, and he wants to help you. You know, there's no condemnation about this. I, every time in in the past, in when I was younger, I would get so condemned about my devotional life because I'd go to spend time with God and feel like, oh, you know, I'd spend the first, you know, however long of my time feeling bad that I didn't spend more time yesterday. But God doesn't look at it like that. Every time you come to him, even if you've ignored him for years and you come and you say, oh, here I am to worship. I'm here, God. You remember me. I want to talk to you. He's there going, ah, angels, look, look. I'm so happy to see her face. And he doesn't look at you and say, oh, goodness me, how dare you show your face? He he celebrates because when you approach God, you are exercising faith and faith pleases God. It delights his heart. It's like, oh, come here. And He longs to help you. This is the patience of God which overwhelms me and undoes me when I think about it. The patience of God, the kindness of God who is always happy to see me. That's astounding. But you think about it, I have three children and I am always happy to see them. I love it when they share their lives with me. I love it when they talk to me. My heart gets delight. But how much more? The Bible says our love for each other is like hate compared to how much he loves us. And that he gets so much joy about you talking to him. And he wants to help you, wants to encourage you. Hallelujah. So. I wanna encourage you just to, to set aside 15 minutes a day. You know, many of you are starting off the new year with gym memberships and all sorts of things. God bless you. I am not, hallelujah. My daughter's a personal trainer. She's incredibly organized and up and going, but uh, I, I, I have an exercise routine and it involves occasionally getting on the wee Fit, hallelujah, like for a couple of minutes, you and me. <laughs> but I, I've had to figure it out. That's what works for me: getting up and going to a gym and playing a gym membership and getting changed and driving there and finding time in my day to do it. Just doesn't work for me. It might work for you. That's wonderful. But what works for you in your devotional life is what's most important. You need to get a routine and make it happen. I, I since I've been a little girl, I have uh, always had that decision to want to read the Bible before I go to sleep, even if it's two o'clock in the morning, and I value sleep. But I, I, it's, a, it's something that I've, I've built into my life. I want to be able to have that as my last thought at nighttime. So let me encourage you uh, just to spend time with the one that loves you more than you could even understand. Amen? Amen. Amen, hallelujah. You need to talk back to me because I'm an interactive preacher. Hallelujah, very good, thank you. It me- makes me know that you're not asleep. Ha 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 ha, that's wonderful. All right, I wanna to turn to Genesis 31 if you've got your Bible. How you do, very good. <laughs> We've just heard from Tom about, um, about Jacob on his way uh, fleeing from Esau out to Laban, and then he had all sorts of trouble out there. Jacob knew about God; he believed in God. He, you could see from that passage that we read before that he, you know, he was a he was a manipulator. Even then, he was doing a deal with God: if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And you know, he still had that scheming thing going on. And um, and God had him in process. I love the way that God smiles about us. He knows the end from the beginning, and he is more patient than we are. And he knows how to help us come to the place where we will uh, surrender and receive what he's got for us. The Bible tells us that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. And and that... Um, you know, his plans for us as to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. But we need to surrender to those plans. We need to give up quick and recognize that God's smarter than us. Amen? So, um, you know, after many, many years working for Laban, all that you can read about, it's a fascinating story, so much revelation in there. Um, Jacob moves on and uh he finds out as he's coming back uh, into the place that he's going to have to meet Esau and Esau is the one that he uh, you know deceived his father so that he could take the blessing instead of Esau Israel would say is that my son Esau and he'd say oh yes that's me dad and and he said doesn't sound like Esau it sounds like Jacob and then he'd feel his hands and his mother had had wrapped uh, goat skin around his, his hands and his neck so that when his father would feel it, it's like, I don't understand. You're hairy. You sound like Jacob. You, you sure you're Esau? He goes, yeah, I'm Esau. And he uh, goes, okay. And then he gave him the blessing. And Esau was really mad. And even though it had been prophesied, uh, as Tom, Tom shared, it was, it, Jacob still felt like he needed to manipulate and scheme and plan to make it all happen. So then um, he hears that Esau's coming with 400 men, even though he has sent uh, nice greetings and done his best, it looks like it's not going to go well. And so Jacob goes into his scheming mode, and he goes, "Okay, uh, you know, let's get, let's organise all these presents, and let's do this, and let's do that, and then, and let's divide the um, one wife with with those servants and, and children, and the other with that. And In case they get killed, at least I'll have some family left." And and he's he's planning and and trying to figure it out. Then that night, actually, Genesis thirty-two, verse twenty-two. That night, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. But um, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. This is such an unusual story. Jacob was at his lowest point. He thought he was going to, finally all the things were coming home to roost. This was not going to go well. But that night, a man showed up, a supernatural man, and we know now, because we've read the story, that it was uh, a theophany, a, a pre-incarnation of Christ. It was God himself coming and wrestling with Jacob. And as he's wrestling, he's wrestling all night. Jacob starts wrestling back. And they wrestle all night long. And then at dawn, uh, he says the guy touches his hip, just with one little finger, touches his hip, and it's put out of socket. The sinew shrinks, and and then he says, let me go. You know, seriously, if he wanted to go, he could go. If he could, by one finger, put the guy's hip out of joint, he really didn't need Jacob's permission to go, did he? But he says, let me go, and Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. You know, I believe that God had Jacob in a place where he was trying to help him understand what it would take to really come into the supernatural inheritance that he'd been promised. What it would take to come into the fullness of what God had. Now, Jacob knew about God. He knew about the God of his father, the God of his grandfather. But finally, Jacob was encountering God himself. in a a very personal way. And you know, you can have encounters with God, you can believe in God, you can have prophetic words, you can even have experiences with God, but God was after something in Jacob. He was after his surrender. He was waiting for Jacob to surrender and acknowledge that all his scheming, all his planning, all his bargaining, that he was weak and that God was strong. And you know, the, the scripture tells us in our, in our weakness, He is strong, hallelujah. And the Lord actually tells us in, Reve- in the book of Revelation to pray, Lord, give me eye salve. He says, this is how you should pray, not saying you're rich and full and have need of nothing, but really you need to recognize that, you need supernatural eyes to recognize your weakness that you need God, because when you are recognizing that you need God, when you surrender to him, when you recognize and acknowledge your weakness, you can then present your weakness like a cup that he comes and fills with his supernatural strength. Hallelujah. And God will, he'll wrestle with you and he'll let you go on and go on and expend as much strength as you like until you come to the place where you recognize, okay. I surrender. And at the point where, where Jacob was saying, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Um, you know, it's interesting. You we can read through the, the scripture. When Jesus was walking with the men on the road to Emmaus, he pretended that he was going to keep going. Well, he just said, it looked like he was going to keep going. And the people said, actually, no, 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 stay with us. Come and We want to hear some more. Come and eat with us. He did it again when he was walking on water. It says, the Bible says that he was walking, and it looked like he was going to walk straight past. But then they cried out and said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus will often give us opportunity to prevail with him, to, to, uh, to cry out and recognize that we are giving, being given an opportunity to lay hold of God. He comes and he, he makes himself available, but he waits for you to cry out and say, I, hey, don't pass me by. I'm here. Don't go. I want you to be here. He is looking for a yielded heart. He is looking for fellowship with people who want to be with him. Hallelujah. God doesn't, you are not, uh, you know, uh, out of control in what God is doing, God actually gives you a free will and waits for you to exercise it until you say, I actually want you. I don't want you to go. I don't want to just have fleeting encounters with you. I want to know you. I want you to bless me. I need you. And so the, the, the Lord says to Jacob, he says, tell me your name. What's your name? And Jacob tells him, my name's Jacob. Jacob. But in saying that his name was Jacob, Jacob was acknowledging that his, that his name meant supplanter, deceiver. He was acknowledging the reality of who he was. You know, we all need to come to a place. We can know about God. We can be in church. We can, we can uh, you know, be raised in, in Christianity. You can have had encounters with God. You could do all sorts of things. But until you come to the place where you acknowledge I'm a sinner, I, I'm, I've, I've been selfish, I've been this, I've been that, this is, this is who I am, and we acknowledge it to God, it's until we come to that place that we recognize we need help, we continue to, to battle in our own strength. these people, the Bible says, who will be on, on the day of judgment, will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name and that in your name? They knew about God, they knew how to interact with God, but they had never come to the place where they had acknowledged that they were sinners and needed salvation, that they needed grace. They had to come to a, we have to come to a place where we acknowledge our weakness and say, I have need, I have sin, and I, uh, this is who I am. But then I love what the Lord replies. Uh, the man says... Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. He was saying to Jacob, because you have not let me go, because you have reached out and you have held on and you have acknowledged, I have need of your blessing because you have been one that has said, okay, I'm not going to be content with just another encounter. I actually want you. I want you. I want you. I need you. I need you. When he came to that point, the Lord said, all right, you are no longer going to be a sinner. You are no longer going to be a supplanter. You are no longer somebody that needs to deceive and scheme and plan. But you are going to be Israel, a prince of God. You are going to have my favor. You're going to have my blessing. And you won't need to struggle and strive for it in your own strength. Hallelujah. You can know that you have been given a new identity. You've been given a new privilege. That is to become a prince of God. You know what, each, or each one of us are given the invitation to be transformed. But transformation is not something that just happens by uh, association. Jacob wasn't transformed because he had the right bloodline. Jacob, had the right, Jacob was transformed because he came to the point of surrender and acknowledgement of his weakness. God's looking for us. You know, I still do that. I I enjoy being able to get alone with God and saying, Lord, I've been struggling with this. I give it to you like foreign currency. I exchange it and I receive your supernatural strength. Hallelujah. As a child of God now, as a daughter of the king, as a princess of God, I am no longer a sinner, but I still have times where I go back into old thinking and old patterns And you read the Bible, sometimes after this, Jacob's called Jacob, sometimes he's called Israel, because sometimes he does revert back to wrong thinking. But when you've been transformed, God wants to continually remind you that's not who you are anymore. And if you get real with him and say, "Lord, I've been selfish," he comes back and says, "But that's not who you are. Give it to me, and I'm going to remind you and reveal to you the truth that you are patient, you are kind, you are unselfish. Hallelujah. You're not even defined by your temptations. Hallelujah. If you've been tempted to be angry, tempted to be upset, tempted to be whatever it is, temptation come against you, that is no longer your definition. You're not defined by what tempted you. You are defined by the fact that you've been changed, you've been transformed. It's you've been transformed by faith in the one that says, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you." Hallelujah. He wants to remind you of the truth of who you are in Christ, that you are born again. You see, it, but it requires us to walk in a revelation. It requires us to walk in an attitude of surrender and humility. As I shared before, the humble, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, when we walk in pride, what we're saying is, I don't need any help. I'm fine. I'll do all right. And, and God resists you in that he, he'll say, right, well, you know, I want to help you, but if you're not going to acknowledge your need, if you're not going to wake up and recognize that I'm here to be your help, if you're not going to surrender to my help, to lean into me and recognize that in me you live and move and have your being, then... Do it your own way. I'm very patient. I'll come after you. I'll love you. But when you are ready, when you humble yourself, my grace is there to strengthen you, to give you supernatural help. I'm going to make this go a whole lot easier for you if you will lean on me. Hallelujah. There is strength to be had in weakness. You know, I believe that, um, I love this. Jacob says, called the place Peniel, saying, it was because I saw God face to face, and yet my, my life was spared. Now, I believe God wants us, each one of us, to have personal encounter with God on a regular basis. We've been given a, a greater covenant than they were under. That is that when Moses uh, was in the glory of God, his face was literally shining, so they had to put a like a, a veil over his face because people were so scared of the supernatural glory that was coming out. And yet the Bible says that we all with unveiled faces are beholding the glory of God and we get to go out and let that that shining glory, the light of God shine forth on people. He tells us in Isaiah, arise, shine, for the light is risen, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and many are going to stream to the brightness of your rising, hallelujah. That light is what we, what we get when we look at Him. The Bible tells us those who look to Him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. So if you've messed up and you look up to him, he goes, ah, yes, here you are. You go, oh, God, I messed up. I did this. I said that. I did this. I behaved like that. And he goes, yes, here, give it to me. Let me show you. Let me give you my grace. Let me give you my mercy. Let me remind you that's not who you are. Don't you wear that. That's not your definition. This is the truth of who you are. You are kind. You are patient. You are unselfish. Now get up and go and shine that light and go and just share the love of God with some people because you're beautiful. It's really wonderful because it means that even if you've you've misbehaved one moment, as you lift up your face to God and go, Oh mess, sorry God, he's there and he immediately immediately will remind you of the reality that he will, he, he's there to take it and give you his strength. That that's just your opportunity to recognize his strength. And now that you can go out without any condemnation, without any penalty, you don't have to pay penance for two weeks after you sin. Because if you did, you'd never actually really be doing very much for God. If you, if you take the attitude that I need to go put myself in the naughty corner for a while, which is what some of us do, you can, you can see it in people's faces. They're like, yeah, I'm here. Oh, don't ask me to pray today, you know, because, and they won't say, but you can see in their heart, they're laboring under condemnation. But God says, you can boldly approach the throne of Grace. That means you don't have to be afraid about coming. Here I am. Yep, you know all about me. You know what I've done. And I'm boldly approaching the throne of grace. And he looks at you having sinned. And he goes, I'm so happy to see you. Look at the faith in there. They know that I'm a forgiving God. They know that I'm their redeemer. They know that I give them beauty for ashes. I'm so happy to see their faces. Aren't they beautiful? And he he is not worried about your sin. He is waiting to deliver you from the lies of the enemy that would try to cripple you, bind you, and condemn you, and keep you from shining the light of the goodness of God. God has called you to be the light of the world. He says that about someone else too. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then the the Lord tells us, you, 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 you are the light of the world. Why? Because it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And everything that we love about him is now true about you. Uh, That's a bit better than you're celebrating. Maybe you go, oh, don't know about that. Actually, yes. If you really believe what the Bible says, He tells us that by grace we've been saved through faith, that it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Hallelujah. But we don't get puffed up with pride and say, walk around saying, I'm God. No, he is God, and I have been hidden with him. I am now part of the body of Christ, and as he is, so am I in this world. He is for me. In him I live and move and have my being, and everything that he has now is available through me to be a blessing to the world around me. Hallelujah.